Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for coming back or checking us out for the first time. Either way, we're glad you're here. We have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview from the Dollop Podcast, it's Dave Anthony. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Masato. Say hi to Masato, guys. Hello, Masato. Hey, Masato. How you doing? What's happening, Masato? Masato, those are the voices of the people I love. My beautiful wife, Alex. Hello. My pal and pop producer, Marcus Stern. Greetings, my friend. And my lifelong friend, Phil Tag. How is everybody? Good. How are you, pal? I'm good, my friend. Uh, and we have an email here I wanted to read. This comes to us from Lewis. Dear Adam, Alex, Triple P, and Phil, I really enjoy your podcast. I am a truck driver from the East Coast, and you guys provide me familiar sounds of home. Mm-hmm. That's nice. nice. We can help them out. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy how you and Phil go at it. <laughs> <laughs> it, reminds me of me, it reminds me of me and my brother. I also appreciate how open and honest you are. I started therapy. Uh, it took me a long time to go, but my wife is so glad that I did. <laughs> but she is. <laughs> Uh, your insights and honesty have helped me a great deal. Thank you, guys, and keep them coming. And that is from Lewis. Oh, that's uh, so nice. Yeah, it took him a long time. Ten snowman. Thank there you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took him. I guess he was finally ready to go, or she was going to leave him if he didn't. Either way, <laughs> it was at a, at a point where he was uh, he was ready to get some help. So that's cool. It also connects to Dave Anthony. When you hear this interview, this guy has been through a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad I got a chance to talk to him because I'm such a fan of, of what he does. The Dollar Podcast, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's about it's him and Gareth Reynolds, who we had on the show as well. Mm-hmm. And basically, yeah. 
And basically, the show is uh, Dave will read a story from uh, history to Gareth, who has no idea what the story is about, uh, and he will just uh, react uh, uh, how he sees fit. And it, it's a, about an hour, hour and a half, and it's a lot of fun. It's hysterical, and I really enjoy uh, listening to it. So in that vein, I found a story I want to read to you guys and get your reaction on it, okay? Okay. Oh, can't wait. Okay, this story comes to us from Havensford West in Wales. Ooh, yeah. well. <laughs> a swarm of bees follows a car for two days to rescue the queen that's trapped in the back. Oh, what? <laughs> followed the car for two days? Two days. A swarm of bees followed a car for two days to rescue the queen that was trapped in the back. And of course, by the queen, we mean Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah. All right. You ready? Yeah. Uh, When Harold Hotsworth parked her Mitsubishi in the town of Havensfort West in Wales, um, and just so you know, the Mitsubishi to me, uh, it looks like an Outlander, which is like an SUV. Uh, She went to do some shopping. Uh, Little did she know the mayhem that would ensue. While she attended to her errands, a swarm of 20,000 bees was drawn to her car. Wow. I don't know how they counted the 20,000. That... (laughs) That that's wait. patience. One, two. Yes. Wait a minute. Three. That guy looks familiar. I got to start again. Yes. <laughs> Friggin' what, drones. Is your husband there saying, "What'd you say to him? Why are they pissed off at us?" <laughs> I told you, don't wear the honey perfume, didn't I? <laughs> Goodness. A, a local man, Tom Moses, saw the buzzing hubbub and concerned that the bees might be poorly handled. Called in a team of beekeepers. Yeah, there's 20,000 of them. All of them like, listen, don't push, don't shove, watch the stinger, order everyone line up. <laughs> and put on this mask. Yeah. And I love that he's like, we got to call the beekeepers. Like, is that like on everybody's speed dial in Wales? <laughs> I guess so. I guess, I guess he's got an in. Um, Tom says it was spe- <laughs> I guess he's got an in. <laughs> I got a guy. Don't worry guy. about it. <laughs> uh, it was spectacular. I was driving through when I spotted a big brown splodge. That's a direct quote. A splodge. I like that. Splodge. Splodgy. Yeah. A lot of people were really amazed by it. Cars were slowing down and people were taking pictures of it. Because, you know, how many times do you see a splodge? A beef. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit concerned with being in the middle of town outside the pub that someone might do something stupid and get hurt or do something stupid and hurt the bees, he said. Mm. Yeah, I was concerned it was outside the pub. <laughs> someone might do something stupid. Oh, real? like what? Like trap the queen bee in the back of a Mitsubishi and cause a panic in all the 20,000 bees? Maybe yeah, something stupid I, like that? I'm a little concerned how the queen bee got in her back. Apparently, they were day drinking. <laughs> I mean... I got to be honest, I'm not quite as concerned about the bees as I am for the poor woman being Mm -hmm. chased by the 20,000 bees. The swarm kept her in her sights and managed to track her down. The next day, I realized that some of the bees had followed me home. The next day, she realized that some of the bees had followed me home. She didn't see the splodge behind her the night before. (laughs) I thought she saw the splodge. No, and you know what we know now? We know that she drove home drunk because if she didn't notice the splodge. Yeah. 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 She thought she... She was hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. She summoned the beekeepers who arrived and ready to rescue her. We think the queen had been attracted to something in the car. Obviously, it was Bernie Toppin. 
<laughs> There's my writing partner. <laughs> who's, who's Daniel? He's your brother. Sing the song. Holy Moses. Yeah. The swarm of around 20,000 had followed her and were, and just sat around by the outside of the car until the queen emerged. So they're just sitting there. I'll be right back, boys. Just just hover. I think she just needed a moment. That's yeah. I just need a moment. I just can I have a moment, please? Yeah. These twenty thousand pain in the asses won't yeah. give me a minute. Yeah. She wanted a little outing. <laughs> because if you think about it, the queen was way ahead of them, got in mm-hmm. the back, right. The door was closed, and then they figured out that she was inside. Yeah. Once she got in the back of the car, she's like, shut the door. Shut the door. Exactly. Please, go, lady. Go, go. She's like, come on. I just need my space. <laughs> and they, the splodge wouldn't let her alone. Yep. The beekeeper said it was quite natural for them to follow the queen, but it was a strange thing to see them following the car for two days. Quite amusing. The queen was released and the splodge splurged. Splodge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll give. Listen, you got to give the bees credit. Yeah, they hung with that for forty-eight hours. They're like, we ain't leaving till we get it back. All right, we ain't going anywhere. It's like in history. Yeah, they kidnap your queen, Mm -hmm. and then you go get her. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's good. I'm coming, Helen. I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) Odysseus, get your asses over here. We're getting Helen. (laughs) I'll show you, you Greek fucks. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, that's the story of the bees. And that's that's what they do on the dollop. They do it much better than we do, but that's what they do on the dollop. <laughs> they tell a story uh, and they have a conversation with Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds. And one of the things I want you guys to pay attention in this interview mm-hmm. is I don't know if you guys remember the quokka story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, when Gareth picked up the quokka. Quokkas are cute. Yeah. They're, they're also riddled with disease. <laughs> <laughs> they're still cute. Yeah. So we get Dave's point of view of that story, too. He's a really interesting guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. I think you guys are really going to like this. Give a listen to this, and we'll see you on the other side. When the queen appears, she's immediately surrounded by the males who follow her unique scent. It's now time to pay respect to her royal highness. Hey, queen! You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm up to here with this crap! Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
Hi, guys. I got some stand-up dates for you. This weekend, November 5th through the 7th, I will be at Helium in Indianapolis. December 10th through the 12th, I'll be at Hilarities in Cleveland. December 18th and 19th, I will be at the Draft House in Arlington, Virginia. And I don't know about you, but 2020 can't be over quick enough for me. So, New Year's Eve, I will be at the Helium in St. Louis. Come on out. Let's laugh together and have a better 2021. And as always, if you can make any of these gigs, please come up after the show and say hello. I want to thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right. I had a lot of fun with Dave Anthony. Listen to this. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD. It's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting. It's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird. I am very excited for my guest this week. He's a writer, comedian, creator of one of my favorite podcasts called The Dollop. And I'm glad he is here with us and we get to know him a little bit better. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please help me welcome Dave Anthony. Thank you. How are you, pal? I'm good. (laughs) You probably have no idea when we first met. Tell me. Uh, uh, NACA convention? Oh, God. God, we're that old? Yes. And yeah, and so uh, uh, I had never done one before. <clears throat> Not really my thing. I don't think I'm right for that sort of audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went up and you, I, I walked in the room and you were like annihilating, like people flipping over and like losing their minds. And I go up and I do okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then afterwards, you had a line of people at your booth <laughs> to sign you. And I had like four. <laughs> hey, you were... Hey, you were okay. <laughs> oh, God. For those of you who don't know, NACA was, was the showcase you do for colleges, right? Yeah, so we go, yeah. we do our act, and, and all the people that make decisions, you know, Kyle and Heather, everyone <laughs> in charge, right. sitting there in judgment of you. And then you stand in front of a booth, like, like you're at a flea market selling your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like you have your innermost thoughts and all, all your little works of art on, on, on a card table and you're just trying to sell them to these college students and they, they book you for your show. God bless them. They're college students, so they're just super young and they have nothing to say and there's nothing really there. No. And you're just like, hey. Yeah. There's- <laughs> nothing to say. And then, but, but, you know, it's, just, it, it's a strange sort of existence because you're out there, you know, selling something that's so subjective and your identity is so connected to what we, especially at that point in our lives, Dave. Yeah. So connected yeah. to what we're doing. It was just crushing. I got, I remember, I remember one of the gigs I got, cause I only did one of those conventions. I got Villanova and, uh, at, oh. and so I'm at Villanova. I'm in the, the, this little theater. There's a giant crucifix behind me. <laughs> that's the stage. That's the backdrop. Pack theater. I walk on stage. My opening line is, wow, you guys have a tremendous vampire problem. Nothing. (laughs) That was that was what doing colleges was. It was learning what you can't say. And it turns out almost everything. Yeah. You can't say there's no you can't like a couple of a couple of the priests got up. They walked out. Some people laughed. And I was like, all right, well. I'm sure I'm not going for hell for this. I know some of the other stuff I did before. This will be on the list, but this won't be the one that turns it bad for me. Have you ever heard Craig Anton's story? Which one? Uh, so Craig was huge at those now. Like Craig, mm-hmm. Craig was just one, one of the, the gods of NACA. And he uh, went to a, I want to say it was a Baptist college. Right. And they said, absolutely no swearing. If there is any swearing, mm-hmm. we will shut down the show immediately. And he's like, okay, I work clean. I don't swear. But Craig opened up a show the same way every single time. 
And he walked up and he said, how the hell are you? Lights off, show over. That was it? Yeah. How <laughs> was a swear? Yes. Listen, I was raised Catholic. It wasn't really a swear. It was more like a location. <laughs> That's right. It's something you talked about. Yeah. As in you're going there if you're bad. Yeah. God. So the dollop is great. And it's one of my favorites. And we're going to get to it. I just want to give people a little bit of background on you. Uh, very funny comic. Very, very good writer. Uh, and you're from the Bay Area, right? Yeah, Sports yeah, fan in San Francisco. Yeah, and you were an original Raiderette. Did I get that right? No, uh, 49er, uh, close. <laughs> close. Uh, a terrified of all Raider fans. I think it's something you learned growing up young in, uh, in that area. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I was a 49er fan, uh, never a Raiderette. Uh, I had the body, but not the <laughs> dancing ability. <laughs> not not the mean? body. <laughs> I like you. You were terrified of Raider fans. I mean, Lyle Alzado was scared of Raider fans, man. <laughs> I watched a Raider fan bite off a guy, another guy's nose once, and I was like, "That's not my people." <laughs> Wait a minute, where were you? Were you in the black hole? Where did that happen? Parking lot. Of course, yeah. Well, where it happens, you know, before or after the game? Before. When the, when the, <laughs> when the fun stuff's going lost. <laughs> Yeah, two guys got into a fight, and the Raider fan bit off the other guy's nose. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Wow. That, that is called tailgating. That's how you do it. That, wow, like, They man. take it to the next level. So, obviously, Hannibal's a Raider fan. Who were they playing? Uh, the Niners. Are they playing the Niners? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, yeah good that, times. That's, I, see, I don't even go to the last game I went to. Uh, my dad, I'm a Jets fan. My dad's uh, a Giants fan, uh, being from New York. So that, that should explain yeah. the paradoxical nature of my existence, Dave. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, we're going to get into it, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> but the last one I went to, I was in a box at the Meadowlands uh, watching a Monday night game with the Giants. And my dad was in the box and, and he, was, he was ill and it was nice to share that moment with him. I had the best treatment you could get. And I still was like, what am I doing here? I'm going to fight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching it on a TV. What am I doing here? Yeah, the, la the last 49er game I went to, they were still at Candlestick. And, uh, God, I want to say it was the early 90s. And it was a playoff mm -hmm. game. And they won it. They, like, won at the, at the last second uh, with a field goal. And I was still just like, I would rather be watching this on TV. Yeah. Like, there's nothing about this that I'm enjoying. I got replay. I got my own toilet. I can, I can sleep if I want drifting yeah. and out of consciousness. I can rewind. Yeah, I was sitting next to two super drunk guys, and it was just like, I'm not your friend. I'm not having fun. Stop talking to me. <laughs> Stop looking at my nose like it's a hot dog. <laughs> well, yeah, so you, you were a sports fan from the Bay Area, and sports was the one thing that you had in common with your dad, but by all accounts, it was a pretty rough ride <laughs> after that. I mean, that's all we could kind of talk about for years. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, he's, uh, he was an alcoholic and he was, uh, uh not a nice guy. Mm -hmm. So the only thing we bonded over was sports giants, uh, uh, warriors and, and 49ers. Right. Uh, but after that, it was pretty much just like, okay, so, <laughs> Hey, what if we sit here quietly? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I want to lead you up to this point because I'm always impressed with people that know enough to evolve as a person and to know enough to employ self-betterment. And they didn't have any advantage at all. I mean, your dad was, like you said, drunk and abusive and your mom just kind of checked out. 
Yeah, totally checked out. So you were left to your own devices, and and, and like you said, it, it got rough. And it's not that your father didn't didn't try to bond with you, but it was always over alcohol. That's right. I mean, yeah, he, he would he would take me places, and <clears throat> starting when I was like fourteen, he'd be like, "You're gonna drink here, right?" And I'm like, "I'm 14. <laughs> And actually, the actual thing is I'm 14 and I drink with my friends, not you. Right. Um, okay, so you didn't want to share it with dad. I didn't because I, I knew that was his thing. So I never wanted to drink around him. I wanted to like keep it from him Ah, as like, like a punishment. I mean, yeah. So he always tried to bond with me. And he, that was the sports thing also because when you mm. watch sports, you drink, right? So he yeah, would yeah. drink and I would just sit there and, and kind of watch it. Yeah, so that was his bonding thing. But I, I, uh, I pushed it away. Always. Yeah. Was it punishing him or self-preservation? Do you have any awareness of, of what was behind that action? I think it was both. I think, yeah. I think on a conscious level, it was punishing him, but on right. an unconscious level, it was self-preservation. Yeah, that's why one of the reasons I want to talk to you, one, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of what you do, but two, I'm a big fan of who you are and how you got here. Because this, uh, for, and just reading everything, you, you should be dead. <laughs> I should be dead or in prison, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm going yeah. with I, dead. I, I had both options. I went, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'll take the prison. I'll take the points. I'm going with dead. Yeah, there were things that I did that I'm just like, how am I alive? Mm-hmm. Like insane. Like I was just completely self-destructive for years. I think the, I think the most dangerous and insane thing I did was, I got a car when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. And my parents would not allow me to get a driver's license. So I bought the car and I hid it around the corner. <laughs> so I was just driving without a license. But then I would drive drunk. And sometimes, so it's a, a, from the main road to our house, uh, dark road, no street lights, about a mile and a half. I would turn off the lights in my car and floor it and go like 100 miles an hour. <laughs> It's a Chevy Malibu. It went fast. Wow. All right. So you got a Malibu. You got a six pack. You got the keys. You don't have a license. That's right. I am the biggest nightmare. Like mm-hmm. that is just the nightmare human being. Never gone to an accident. Like just the, the stuff that, and the, uh, like just that kind of behavior, just relentless for like 10 years. I mean, the thing that saved me was I had a friend who, um, she had, she had just had a big breakup with her boyfriend and, mm-hmm. She was just a mess, and her boyfriend was an alcoholic, and she went to Al-Anon, right. which is for people who are raised with alcoholics or, or in a relationship with alcoholic or whatever. And, um, and she was just like, you really – it seems like you should go to this. Right. And I went, and then it just kind of all turned around. I love a lot of drunks and a lot of drug addicts, so I know yeah. – and I'm codependent. And I'm oh, Catholic, babe. I'm double. <laughs> you got it all. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm screwed in this life and probably the next one. <laughs> That was my mother always said, like, God's preparing you for the next life. I'm like, there's another one? Fuck. Fuck. No, I can't do this. This one's killing me. (laughs) When it got that dark for you and when you found, not like-minded people, but places where you you found understanding of your pain. I think think when you're you're in that place, you, you think it's only you. Yeah. You know, so when you go to a place and there's a bunch of people going, not only is it not just you, but also we figured out how to get out of it. Yeah. And we can be there to guide you and help you through it. I think that's a huge, just a huge sort of moment. Yeah. It was for me. 
a huge support system and to know yeah. that you're not alone. And that, that, that's part of the reason I do this podcast, just for the connection, especially now that we can't perform anymore. I don't get that hit from the audience. And it's not even the hit from the audience. It's the hit of letting whatever needs to come through me to reach them that bounces back. And that, that connection is what I miss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why, you know, this, this podcasting is a way of, a way of doing it. It's just a new delivery system for, uh, for the message, the energy, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. you reached a turning point, and uh, this was the quote from you. I can't even have pants. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so this is, I just told someone this the other day because they were like, they, I think they were just like, I, my pants just split. I have no money. I have no, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I've actually been there. Uh, I, was, I was living alone. Uh, I broke up my fiance. I remember I made a frozen burrito crappy frozen burrito because i couldn't afford anything i was like forty thousand dollars in debt because it i was at one of those places where you, as a stand-up you you would get work and then you wouldn't get work but you didn't want to get a job because then you wouldn't get any stand-up work at all yeah. so you're actually just accruing debt when you're living like that so I'm, I'm just building up debt and and i just i remember i had this burrito and i walk into my living room to sit down and i sit and my pants just split all the way like from and I'm not fat. I'm not even a fat guy. Like now I could see pants splitting, but I was in pretty good shape. My pants just split from the top all the way through the groin and up. And I just, and I just, they're just, and I had like two pairs of pants. I had no money to buy pants. And I was just like, I can't even fucking have pants. Like I can't have anything. I'm not allowed to have pants. Did you laugh at that? I did. It was just so insane that I just, mm-hmm. I just started laughing. Like, I mean, that's the great thing about, I think, being a stand up and because we, our defense system, from since we were young is to create a sense of humor about things. Mm-hmm. So I can, even in those worst moments, I can see the funny shit. So yeah, I just started fucking laughing because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. I mean, if, I'm sure you didn't have the awareness that this is the turning point, but in looking back, you, you considered that the turning point. I think, uh, yeah, I think looking back, that was the turning point. Mm-hmm. And my friend had just told me about Alan on then. And, and, uh, and I think I'd gone to, to one meeting. And I remember a guy give me his phone number, and I after that happened, I called him up, and I told him the story. And he'd been out on it for like twenty years, and he just started fucking laughing. He's like, "Just that is just amazing." <laughs> like, right? Yeah, I think That's he said crazy. it's a bo- it's a bottom because you can probably see your bottom. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But you put the, the energy out there to get better. You called someone that understood. And I mean, the cherry on the, the, the cake was, according to the story, he was the same size waist as you, so he gave you pants? Or am I, am I misreading that? I don't. Yeah, people gave me pants. I remember people, some people gave me some clothes because I couldn't yeah. afford any clothes. Look, he yeah, seems yeah, like he, a nice guy, but I can see his ass. Um, <laughs> well, that's the sexy part. <laughs> that's why I asked about being a Raiderette. I was like, this, this, this looks like a professional ass. This is a money-making ass right here, baby. It really is. One of the key emotions that you had to address in getting better, was it anger, depression? What was the big uh, one I you think, had to get you over? You know, it's funny. Yeah, I always thought it was anger, but it was actually depression. The, the anger was masking the depression. Yeah. So I had to really go, I had to really like be like, oh, I actually just don't like myself and kind of work through that and kind of go like, I'm an okay person. I'm actually not that bad. Mm -hmm. I just, because of the way I was raised, I had no self-worth. Like I just thought I was a piece of shit. Yeah. I had to get to a point where I didn't think I was a piece of shit anymore. And I, my mom said, I remember I talked to her about this around this point when I, 
when it was feeling a little bit better, I, I was just like, you know, what happened to me? And she goes, I, I watched you disappear inside of yourself when you're like three years old. And so I, I think I was literally depressed since I was three years old until I was around 30. Yeah. And you know, we're near the age of reason. The main reason I want to talk to you is because I'm a big fan of your work and what you do. But then when I started reading about it, you go, oh, shit, I got questions. I'm not going to a meeting. I'll go through him. <laughs> because I didn't really hate myself, but I abdicated my power to stay in the role that I was playing as a kid to get the approval from my family. Yeah. So my resentment came from a shame-based identity. So at three years old, you answered the question. At three years old, it got written on the hard drive and everything else just comes out of that. I mean, even, even when you were living your life, you, were, you, you attracted some crazy, baby. You got on the pad. <laughs> you, you got on the pad for, for where, I'm trying to phrase this in a nice way. You got on the pad to the boys by taking over a debt. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is when I realized it was in a bad relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this did it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all of the other red flags up to this moment, uh, I, I passed on. Yeah, so I, I was engaged, and I, uh, we were living in L.A., and I woke up one morning, and I went out uh, into the living room, and she was just bawling. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, what's going on? And she didn't want to tell me. And then she, finally she was like, my father felt really bad that he couldn't afford uh, to pay for a wedding for us. Mm -hmm. So uh, he lived in, uh, oh God, what's, that, what's it called in Brooklyn? Uh, Such of the Sea, whatever. And so he went to them and mm -hmm. he borrowed. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, he yeah. went on the street, baby. You know, oh, okay. So he, uh, he borrowed, I think it was 2,500 is what he borrowed. Mm -hmm. And then as you do in these moments, uh, he went to the track. <laughs> so, he had, <laughs> so he had a plan. He has a plan. Oh, okay, a plan. so we put a plan in place. Oh, okay, I, because, I didn't know we had a plan. I thought he was just being frivolous. No. If you want to pay for like a $60,000 wedding, you borrow $2,500 and you turn that into $60,000 really quick. So I went to the track to try to uh, make enough money to pay for a wedding. And uh, then he lost it, if you can believe that. Right. And, uh, and then he couldn't pay the money back. So the reason that my uh, fiance was crying was because the mafia had just called him and it turned out to be John Gotti Jr.'s boys. Mm -hmm. They called him and they told him to buy a, buy a train ticket and get on the train and go out to Long Island to where they were and that they were going to break one of his legs. Uh, okay, L listen, listen, we both know what's going to happen here. <laughs> All right. We don't pay ground and we don't pay air. Just so you know, that was in the initial contract. All right. It's 25 percent juice daily and you got to pay your own way. Now, get over here. I just what happened to the mafia guys that they're just so lazy. They like you come to me and I hurt you now. I don't yeah. want to drive. But don't you think that's a little self-defeating? OK, I'll be there. I'm on the 415. Pick me up <laughs> at the station. I'll be the guy carrying the crutches, you know, for the way home. I don't want to put too much pressure on you guys. And I'm telling you, you guys know how to break it, right? You guys are good at this? Because right now I'm getting a weird feeling that you're not professionals. What kind of outfit are you running here? Huh? <laughs> 
I hope I, it would be great if John Gotti heard that story. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? You drive down there. You drive and it's a whole thing. It, it's the feel of it. You're driving to break a leg. Then you get there. You see his face. He doesn't know you're coming. Yeah. It's a thing. Get up early in the morning. All right. Marcus Aurelius, win the morning, win the day. You don't fucking read. I buy your books. You eat the pages. So I called the number that she'd been given. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get the story from the guy, and the debt is is now five thousand because it's accrued. I guess they have a pretty big uh, interest rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the way it works. Wait a minute, he gave you his phone number? You're calling on yeah, an open guy, line? Oh yeah, the guy. I just called the guy. Uh, I'm using literally my home phone and calling him on a landline, and he picks up, and we just talk about this. Ah. Uh. Okay. And, and he says, you got uh, the shirt? Yeah, I got the shirt. You got the bullets for the shirt? Yeah, I got the bullets for the shirt. <laughs> he says, if I, uh, I say I'll, I want to pay the debt. Mm-hmm. And he says, he goes, you can't just pay the debt. You have to take over the debt. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, say, he goes, say the words. And I'm like, what? And he goes, say the $5,000 debt is now my debt. Uh-huh. So he makes okay. me say that. I repeat the words, and he goes, the debt is now yours. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we get wait so, a minute. Wait a minute. He bought that? You were driving without a license. <laughs> oh, he had no idea how fucked up I was. <laughs> <laughs> he never would have done this. <laughs> so he, he then gave me, I think it was his wife's bank account number. Smart. Yeah, right? I know this this part is always crazy to me, like how they didn't think they would at some point get caught. So I drove to my bank, and I think that was like all the money I had in the mm-hmm. bank was $5,000. Like I had just gotten like a commercial or something, so I just depo- – like it was one of those deals. Like, oh, cool, I have a bunch of money to last This was after, for a after the burrito. This is before. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is about uh, two years before the burrito. So I go to the bank, and I – he gives me the account information and I wire him the money. And then he, and then he calls me up and he, and he says, uh, we received the money. The debt is now paid. That was it. And that was, that was it. So then I would, I I go, did, did you say like this? I need you to say these words. <laughs> no more money for you. <laughs> hey, can you, can you say this? Uh, this is, I just want you to say exactly this. What kind of a fucking idiot makes a guy get on a fucking train to get his leg broken? Can you repeat that to me? That's funny. So, so I go home and then, and then I'm just like, what the fuck is with your dad? Right. And now my, my fiance had never, it was like, she didn't understand money and I could never understand what was happening, but she would like, we, we literally had like 30 bottles of shampoo because every time she'd see shampoo, she'd fucking buy it. Like it was just this crazy thing that she would buy whatever she saw. Like one time I booked a Lexus commercial and she quit her job and I'm like, it's going to run for three weeks. Like what? Like she just didn't get. <laughs> what? She quit her job because you got a commercial. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. I was just like, what are you doing? I didn't, it's not the lottery. Like I just got a job that'll last for a little while. Yeah. So it was just stuff I could never figure out. And then, and then when I started questioning her, she just totally broke down and she's like, my father's degenerate gambler. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, that's why none of his family talked to him. He's done this to everybody. We, my mom used to have to hide money in my sock drawer. Like it was this whole thing. And I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. So that was one of the big moments where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not just fucked up, but I'm attracting 
I'm attracted to and I'm attracting. Were you aware of that, that you were attracting fucked up? No, I was not aware of that at the time. But that was the big moment where I was like, oh, the people that I'm into are fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it's always like, and, and, and women always do this too. Like, I can't meet a nice guy. Yes, you can. Stop trying to fuck the meth addict, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know the guy you're trying to fix? Yeah. That's actually that guy, not the good one. Yeah, yeah. The, guy, the guy that borrowed money to get his motorcycle fixed, that guy. <laughs> he loves me enough to get off meth. Yeah, I can change him. Sure you can. <laughs> but you had enough awareness to get yourself help to the point now where you, you might do a shrink. Yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing. So, yeah, I met my wife uh, a couple years after the big breakdown. and um, Did you meet her 50 yet. minutes at a time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first dates, the first two dates, I had to pay her 250 bucks for 50 minutes. <laughs> And then we'd just be talking and having a good time. And she'd be like, oh, our time's up. Yeah, we're going to have to stop. I'll see you <laughs> I think you're special. I think we got a lot covered today, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I met her, and we hit it off right away. And mm-hmm. uh, she had just gotten divorced, and her husband was uh, off a fucking mess. So I looked great, because at that point, you know, it was two right. years into therapy and in Al-Anon, so I was definitely, you know, an improved person. So... Now, by just not being a fuck up, I looked okay. Right. And I'm sure she had, you know, going through her stuff, she had her support system too while she was going through her. I mean, you had Alan, she probably had her girlfriends going, he's working on himself. And I think those pants are new. He's trying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she actually, one of her, one of her, she actually got so freaked out. She's like, he seems so normal that there's got to be something wrong with him. Oh, yeah. You're waiting for that other shoe to drop. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her friend was like, no, no, just stick it out. And she's like, I don't know. This seems fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but it worked out. How long yeah. you married? Yeah. Let's see. We got married in uh, two thousand. Well, we were to, uh, we got married in two thousand six, but we were together. Uh, I think this is two thousand two. So we've been together mm-hmm. for a while. That's good. Like I said, what attracted me to you was was the work you do on the dollop, and I really want to want to talk about it because it is a, a very unique and well done podcast. But then reading about you, I was like, oh, okay, I want to find out. <laughs> I got to find. I want to hear about that story. It's no surprise I'm friends with Mark Marin, right? Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was, because I did marriage show too. I was like, mm, he's been in the garage a couple times too. <laughs> I think Marin just has you over, thinking to himself, you know what? I feel better. I feel better about myself. <laughs> yeah. Dave has this. Dave has this innate ability. It's not an innate ability. He's more fucked up than you. That's what it is. <laughs> Yeah, he likes to have me over and ask me questions and then be like, really? Really? That's what you're going to do? Really? Oh, thank God I have the cats. Bye, Dave. (laughs) Yeah, but now imagine me and Marin hanging out together back in the day. Yeah. Oh, God. Dude just fucking messes in New York. Oh, God, what a nightmare. (laughs) Remember, I would see Marin at the cell, and I was always always in a little bit of awe of him because he wrote a book. I was like, wow, that's like, no one did that then. I was like, that's like smart shit. You know, yeah, he like knows what a comma does. You know, that's the kind of stuff I was like, <laughs> totally. Yeah, <laughs> but Ma- Marin always—he was one of the guys that that pointed into introspection for me. Where I went, you know, I was the first, oh. one of the guys I saw live actually doing it. Um, yeah, you know, because I was a prior kid when I saw Richard Pryor, it blew my head off, and he was talking about. Yeah. Um, Oh, what coincided with me uh, meeting Marin and, and spending a little time with him, 
when I was reading a book about prior convictions, I think was the book where Richard said he writes what scares him. And Marin had the balls to go up. And I, I witnessed it live to hear him talk about his pain. And I went, oh, fuck, this is where I yeah. want to go with this. And, and that's why I wanted it when I wanted to, I reached out to you because I was like, man, not only is this guy took it upon himself to evolve because that example wasn't around you. That's right. It wasn't at all. There was absolutely no example of doing that. But yeah, it's really weird to like think back on like that there were no examples. And I remember one time when I was, I think I was 24, I had a terrible breakup with a, a girlfriend and I went to a therapist and he listened to me for about a half hour. And then he pulled out a book and he was like, I want you to read this book. And it was the children, the adult children of alcoholics. And I was like, what the fuck? This is why I don't go to therapists. These people don't know shit. This is yeah. about my girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so that guy was dead on, but you know, there was no one in my sphere who was even uh, talking about anything like that. So that was just such an alien idea that he introduced. And I was like, this guy's just bad at his job. Yeah. But you know what? He, he, he saw something you did. You just weren't ready to hear. I mean, when I first went yeah. to my therapist, he gave me the Hobbit and I, <laughs> this isn't. How this many breakfasts do you eat? You were eating two breakfasts a day back then, right? Yeah. This isn't helping for God's <laughs> sake. These little fucks don't know what time it is. No clue. So I want to ask you about The Dollop. Like I said, one of my favorite shows, I had Gareth on. And basically, for those of you not familiar with the show, Dave reads a story from American history or world history, because you do travel the world with the show, to Gareth, yeah. who has no idea what's going on. And they go for about an hour. They riff back and forth. And it's informative. It's smart. It's funny. And let's be honest, Dave, you're doing all the work. Gareth has really tried to convince me that his job is hard. <laughs> Well, I had him on and um and I just I enjoyed it so much. He's he is oh, so, he's funny. so funny. Isn't he? Oh, he's so my God. funny, he's so he's quick. So funny. He, he allowed me to do the dollop with him. I found a story in the paper ah. about the pandemic. So we did a little bit where I got to read it. And I was like, yeah. first of all, that, that that's funny itself. Let's give the dyslexic kid something to read. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have no, I have no problems reading, but I still fuck up all the time. Yeah, but it, it's, you have it, a rhythm. I, I'm like Luca Brazzi rehearsing before I go <laughs> in to see the Don. I hope your first child is a masculine child, and you have to come to us for discipline. There is a train leaving the station. Please bring both your legs. Oh my God, this guy's dramatic pauses are amazing. <laughs> just lost and i watched you on video you do it from an ipad i would be scrolling and oh jesus yeah i think when i first started i used to do it off paper but yeah then i switched to an ipad yeah but you do all the work. i mean the, the stories are so they're, they're detailed they're in-depth they're offbeat topic. do you do all the work to yourself do you have a research staff do you have anyone well, helping I, yeah, I've since I used to do it all myself. Uh, I started getting a little burned out, so I've hired I've hired a couple of researchers. I still take it; they give me the research, and then yeah. I take it, and then I go through it. And because I, 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 it's really hard to teach people what funny will come out of. Like mm -hmm. I know instinctively, oh, this is a thing that Gareth or I can run with and have a good time with. And I think that's really hard to teach. I think that it's just something that people understand. So. I, I'll read a story 
and I'll be like, well, it's good, but there's some, there's just stuff missing. There's some yeah. weird facts. And then I'll go through and do more research myself and kind of plug stuff in that will yeah. be interesting and weird. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, it's tough to have someone, a shared vision is, is, is difficult. And then, and the end to also keep the direction of where you want to go. Cause you now even working with Gareth, um, you know, I think you might have a sense of what will trigger him or where he'll go. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now I absolutely know what will trigger him and yeah. send him off. And he, he still surprises me. God, he's so quick. He's so yeah. And, and 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 such a, a nice guy. He was telling me uh, he was so uh, open and generous with the stories, um, knowing that I was a fan. He told me the story when you guys went to Australia and he held the quokka. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was the craziest so I, I don't know if people know what quokkas are, but they're literally like maybe the cutest animal on earth. Like they mm -hmm. just look like, I mean, they just look, they're so cute. It's insane. And people kept telling us about the quokkas. So we go to the, they're only on this island uh, off Western Australia. So we go there and we're hanging out with the quokkas and taking pictures. And then we're walking back and there's just one quokka sitting there. And this woman's looking at him and, and, and he's just hanging out. And Gareth goes down, gets close to him and, and the quokka just doesn't move. Mm -hmm. And he puts he puts his hand out, and the quokka just rests his head into Gareth's hand. And I'm like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" And then, and after a little while, he reaches down, he picks up the quokka, and he and he and he's now he's just cradling it like a baby. And we took our we took some uh, gay dad pictures where we're <laughs> acting like we're a family, right? We've and, adopted. Uh, <laughs> we've adopted. And and he's just beside like Gareth is Gareth just loves animals like he is the biggest animal lover I know so he is like this is just his heaven like he's literally in heaven he could die at this point and be a fulfilled life and he's just we put the quokka down he's just we're walking walking back to the we have to take a ferry and so we're gonna get something to eat before we go to the ferry and walking back he's just like this is the most amazing this is literally the best day of my life like this is I'm. I cannot believe what just happened to me. I, I and I'm just like, yes, yeah, amazing. Like this is uh, so happy for you. And we go inside. We walk up to the woman at the grill, and uh, and he goes, "The most amazing thing just happened to me." And she goes, "What?" And he goes, "I held a quaka," and she goes, "They've got gonorrhea." <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, what? And she's like, they, they've got all kinds of diseases. They're, hor they're horrible. And he literally, he just looks at me. And here's the other great thing about Gareth. As much as he loves animals, he is the biggest germaphobe I know. Right. And so he goes straight from, this is the greatest day of my life to, oh, my God, this is the biggest horror I've ever experienced. And he looks at me, and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? I go, I don't know, man. I don't think you have gonorrhea. <laughs> I didn't see you. you just, fuck it. You, you just held it, right? <laughs> so he runs into the bathroom and he takes, I think he had a long sleeve. No, he didn't have a long sleeve. He just had a short sleeve. So he, he literally washes as much of his body as he can. <laughs> and then he comes back out and his shirt's like wet on the, <laughs> where the sleeves are. And he's just, he's just walking, like holding his arms out. And I, I'm just like, what? What, what happened? He goes, I washed everything. I washed everything. I still feel dirty. And he goes back into the bathroom. <laughs> and he double washes. 
And then he comes out and then he sits there for the rest of the, we're trying to eat. And he's just like, I oh God, I feel, I feel hot. I hope this isn't like, he's just completely losing his mind. <laughs> How hard are you laughing? Oh my God. I, and I just kept being like, you know, you might have a something like this. <laughs> there's no way. I mean, if they have that many, you picked up one. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying, but you, your, your fingers didn't look that big before. Do you feel any swelling? Uh, I mean, you're swelling there. Your eyes are red. It's really going south fast. <laughs> is the plague a thing? Is that a possibility on this oh island? Oh, my God. That's so fun. Did you have that tail before this trip? <laughs> yeah, that was good. Oh, God, is that funny? Well, it's a great show. It's called The Dollop. It's an uh, American history podcast. I'm so glad that, that you have researchers because I know what it takes to produce this. And I'm going, come just lazy. Oh. How the hell is so he? No, I know. <laughs> Isn't it hard? It's yeah. so hard. To, I've never yeah. worked so hard to produce a radio show in my life. You know, when I first started podcasting, I used to do a podcast with Greg Barron. And we would just go in and talk about, talk mm -hmm. to each other about what was happening in our lives. And that was the podcast. So it was like no research. Yeah. And I saw uh, Paul Tompkins at a gig and he was doing a podcast where he, I mean, he was writing it and researching and he, he was just doing all this work. And I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I was like, podcasts should just be, you go in and you say, like, you're out of your mind all the time you're taking. Mm -hmm. And now I'm literally just <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, doing I, what he was doing. He was yeah. ahead of the curve. Like it's, it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. But to make a good podcast, you have to do, like you have to research. I have to like you have to, yeah. Or else you're literally just doing nothing. Yeah, but but you you rang the bell with your podcast. It's uh, you have millions with an M, millions of downloads. It's pretty awesome. It's like yeah, it's and and also you know you've been in show business forever obviously and you've done stuff in tv and whatnot and you know the gatekeepers yeah and people telling you what you can and can't do and to have the freedom to do whatever you want it's that's why we got into comedy yeah really is like comedians yeah. are not the same animals as actors and everything else in show business we got into it because we want to do what we want to do and we want to yeah. have no one tell us what to do and we do our thing and that all goes to shit as soon as you do NACA. <laughs> yeah hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, the podcast is called the dollop. I am so glad I got to know you a little bit better. I was a big fan and I'm even a bigger fan now. Dave Anthony, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. Best to you and your family, brother. You too, man. The Adam for our podcast is brought to you by cruiseintowellness.com. Now let's say you love this woman and you want to make her happy. But her father's a degenerate gambler, and you have to take over a debt. Say the $5,000 debt is now my debt. Look, you got to do what you got to do. It may be causing you some anxiety. Don't worry. Do what I do. Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. They also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. And I'll tell you what, 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. That's right, 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go, feel better. We received the money, the debt is now paid. See, it works. This is Dave Anthony, and that was 30 minutes I will never get back. That was so much fun for me. Yeah, you guys really seemed to connect. Yeah, it seemed like you were having fun, and I loved how comfortable 
you both seemed in the interview, just making each other laugh. Like it was really great. Yeah. And I, I was, I was so glad that it went that way. Cause I'm a, I'm a big fan of him and he was a nice guy. He's got a laugh that I really like to get. So that was good that I could make him laugh. And man, has he been through a lot. You think? <laughs> wow. Yeah. You think? God. I, mean, yeah. I was serious when I was doing my research on him. I was like, dude, you should be dead. I, I was fascinated. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Twice. Twice. Yeah. I, I love this. I can't even have pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a great moment. That the poverty is just, the, the, you know, it reminded me of it when I was a kid and I was on the road and mm-hmm. I was doing stand up. I was, I was in Indiana. It was a club called Snickers and they had this, this local TV show you had to do and nobody told me, but it was TV. You know, I, I had never done any kind of TV before. So I'm like, oh my God, I, I got to get a jacket. I got to dress for TV. Said, Some guy's <laughs> born. What did I know? <laughs> so I went out, but I had to do it. So I, I had no money. I went out and I uh, I had I had a credit card that was tired. You know, you could see and the, <laughs> the credit card used to yeah. The credit card was like oh, I don't know what I got left, <laughs> but I had enough to go to Sears and get a jacket. Right, so I got a jacket at Sears and Sears? it was yeah, and it only they only had the it was too big for me, so I had enough to get jackets and a bag of clothespins. So I got the jacket, I put the jacket on, I took the clothespins and I put it down the middle of the jacket to make it smaller. And I just, Mm -hmm. when I went and sat, I wouldn't sit back down and hope that the clothespins wouldn't snap off. (laughs) I tucked in, I tucked in the, uh, the label and the, and the price tag of the jacket in the cuff. I went on, I did Snickers live because I thought this was my big break. (laughs) I went back the next day. I returned the jacket. I'm sorry, sir. We can't take back the clothespins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you made it out okay. Yes. I, well, I had to do a similar thing. Mm-hmm. When I started off modeling, you have to have pictures right. to put in your book. And that's the only way you can kind of get a job. So how can you have money to buy the clothes? So I borrowed some money from my mom. And I went shopping with the intention of giving her the money back. Well, let me ask you something. When you said you borrowed money from your mom, did you ask her or was her purse open and she wasn't around? <laughs> I take the fifth. Okay, go ahead. So I got the clothes, started taking the photos, and I noticed that they forgot to take on one of the really cool dresses the security thing off. Oh, that thing where they need the special tool? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm like, how hard can that be to take off? I, they need a special tool. I think it's kind of difficult, but go ahead. It's very difficult, <laughs> yes. and I ended up ruining the dress because inside, I don't know what kind of psycho security thing I had. Right. It was filled with ink, like a bank Ooh. job. Oh. And I opened it up, and it just, like, inked the dress. Oh. So, first of all, it ruined my day. Right. So I had, like, little sad pictures, <laughs> sad <laughs> photos. But she I had pouts to... very well. <laughs> you know what? She this is the perfect model for disappointment monthly. We're gonna yeah. put her on the cover. I was so bummed because my plan did not work. Yeah. Well, all right. So basically you're beautiful and you're you're as poor as I was. Yeah. You have to do what you gotta do. Yeah. All right. You absolutely do have to do what you do. We all went through that when we were younger. We had just, you know, dirt broke, had no money. When I started out, my first radio gig was up in New Hampshire, made like 12 grand a year, right? Mm-hmm. And had no money. And for some reason, I had it in my head that I didn't need to pay my heating bill. I just thought <laughs> that my landlord would cover that for me. Mm-hmm. It's cold. They got to understand I got to need this. And it was about, I don't know, January. And 
the heat ran out. And okay. it and let me just tell you too, when you try to get that reconnected, they're not moving that fast. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. Couple of days, you're just gonna and this New Hampshire, January. I had no hot water, I had no heat. I ended up having to bathe and shave myself by running water through my coffee machine. It was wow. <laughs> You took an auto drip shower? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It was so humiliating. I was so happy that I wasn't living with anybody. They could be like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? You're just pathetic. <laughs> Get to the sh- station. You know, you're just like not really looking all that great. It looks like, thank God it was radio. You didn't have to look that great. Wow. You, how long did it take you to fill up the bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> About 16 hours. Oh my no, God. I would I would get a pot of like, you know, warm water mm-hmm. and then basically give myself a sponge bath. That's how I worked it. With a filter. <laughs> With a <laughs> filter. <laughs> oh, the glamorous life I led. <laughs> oh, man, I was a young comic working the Mobile Comedy Lounge. And first of all, any comedy club with the word lounge in it sucks, first of all. <laughs> And, and they put me up in this uh, condo. You know, they had comedy condos back then. And I get in a day early and I'm broke. I have no money. Um, I barely enough to go get dinner. I bought spaghetti at the grocery store, came back, made it. There's no colander in the condo. There's no strainer. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, what am I going to do? And I actually, I actually did this. It was the lowest moment in my life. I, uh, I pulled the screen out of the kitchen window. <laughs> And I strained the spaghetti in the screen. First of all, I washed it, you know, and I used the water from the coffee maker. (laughs) Because it had to be really hot, you know. Right. uh, But, yeah, that was a low moment, man. (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah, that is pretty clever. And and, and it it smells like dinner every time the wind blows from the east. And it would be something Almost as brilliant as the clothespins. (laughs) Those were rough days. Yeah. But but there's something about that and, and just... The way he laughs at that now, you yeah, know, he's like, it's just you got to laugh at that stuff, you know. That that's it's all part of growing up, man. I just I love that. I love those times. Yeah, and look where he is now. The Dollar Podcast gets millions of downloads. We can't even have pants turns into millions of downloads. <laughs> and I'll tell you, he is really successful now. And I, you know what? I'm big enough to say this. I don't root for everybody's success. There's a lot of people out there. I'm like, I don't want them to have all the success. But after learning about Dave's journey and mm-hmm. all the dark stuff that he had to go through to get to where he is now, I am genuinely thrilled that he is this successful and this happy with what he's doing and that his life, he's gotten through all of that and he's in this great, successful, universal place, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I was very happy that, uh, that, that, that he found happy. Yeah, uh, yeah, it it wasn't that way for a long time. No, no. I'm still looking. Do you know where that is? (laughs) (laughs) Phil, you're going to have to get out of your apartment to look for it. I'll pick you up. (laughs) I'll come get you. Okay. That mafia story was just nuts. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was hysterical. Yeah. That was like, you need to say these words. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. You know that. That's why I was so, so afraid when that guy kissed your your cheek. Oh, yeah. Because it's all about symbolism, right? With mafia people. No, this was about death. It's crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. 
Yeah, and you got to watch out when they kiss you on the lips. I know yeah. it was you, Fredo. That's <laughs> especially, especially if you're in Cuba around New Year's. And he had to, like, go to them. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. What kind of mafia is this, the modern mafia? I mean, you yeah. guys joked about it, but honestly, yeah. would Santino have said to Carlo, that was uh, that was the, the, the husband, yeah. like, yeah, Carlo, I got to have you drive to that compound so I can kick your ass, okay? Yeah, yeah. No, you go out there. It's part of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Meet me at 2.30 and bring a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty wild. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to say this about the father. I'm not saying Dave's lying. I think the father is lying about why he needed the money. Yes, I'm Frank. pretty sure he didn't get the $2,500 to turn that into the pay for the wedding. I'm pretty sure he just <laughs> needed that money because he's a generous gambler. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Too. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think the fa- I think the, the daughter was lying about the story. She knows what this guy is. You think she was in on like, oh, no, no, no. no we got a better story, I Dad. I'll come up with oh, I don't think she, she, we have a better story. I think she just said, oh, my God, I got to tell him something. You know? No, I didn't get yeah. that. Are you kidding? Because no. there's no way the daughter's going to believe that story coming from the father growing up with a degenerate cam. You know, the time she's heard a freaking story. The whole thing sounded a little fishy. Yeah. It's- she knew what he was, and Dave just walked into it. <laughs> he put on his cape. He flew in to save this woman. Dun, 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 I'll pay yeah. it over. Say the words. I'm taking over the debt. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may relate to that. Yeah. Oh yeah, Phil, Phil. You know, you know what? Phil doesn't go on dating apps. You know what he does? He walks on train tracks and looks for women tied to them by villains. <laughs> I can fix that. Yeah. Damsels in distress. That, I'll be Phil. right there. I'll be right there. <laughs> yep. It's funny how um, what you attract, you know, mm-hmm. like drama. That's definitely drama. Yeah, I was saying, man, man, you attracted a lot of crazy. And he knew it, too. He's like, oh, yeah, I, it was obviously me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when he went to the shrink, he went to the shrink and the, he, uh, he's, because he broke up with the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And the shrink goes, read this book. You know, children of alcoholics. What's the matter with you? I broke up my girlfriend. Read the book. <laughs> he wasn't ready to read that book at all. He wasn't ready to go there. Yeah. Uh, those so. things happen. You, you're not ready till you're ready. Yeah. 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 yeah you got to be ready. And that was the one of the things I took from the whole thing. My res- I have a tremendous respect for anyone in any form of recovery. So it was really good to hear that stuff from him. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I think we know what the, I, we now know what the moment is when we know we need help. And that's when you split your pants eating a really crappy frozen burrito. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, th- I <laughs> yeah. Well, rock bottom is when you feel wind on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Go to a meeting. Yep. <laughs> Woo! I got to get help. <laughs> and I can't believe he didn't break up with her for another two years after that whole incident. Are you yeah, kidding me? You think? Say the words, you'll take over the debt. That could be a warning. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> you could think maybe like, mm, I wish she was cleaner around the house. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, they probably had good debt sex. Good what? <laughs> you paid sex. my debt sex. Thank you. <laughs> debt sex? <laughs> debt sex. I didn't think of that. <laughs> I didn't either, but it's great. Yeah, you gotta, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. That's funny. Debt sex. <laughs> Remember, honey, the interest goes up daily. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a yeah, vig yeah, on your yeah. sex life. <laughs> That's, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank my guest, Dave Anthony. I really enjoyed uh, spending time with him. Uh, his podcast is brilliant. It is called The Dollop. I highly recommend you check it out. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Yes. Uh, and uh, please tell a friend about the show. The show's growing, and you guys are the reason why, and we really appreciate it. If you get a minute to leave us a review, it helps us with our friend. 
Mr. Algorithm. Please remember life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Don't be. The swarm of around 20,000 had followed her and were, and just sat around by the outside of the car until the queen emerged. I think she just needed a moment. That's, yeah, I just need a moment. I just, can I have a moment, please? Yeah. These 20,000 pain in the asses won't yeah. give me a minute. Yeah. There is nothing worse than a needy splodge. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.